0: The only real sadness, the only real failure, the only great tragedy in life is to not become a saint. Leon Bloy. Welcome to the Revisionist History Podcast, where we set the historical record straight no matter who it might offend. I'm Paul, and it's time again for our Sundays with the Saints episode. Today we'll be looking at the last of the four great Latin fathers of the church. In the past, we looked at the other three, St. Ambrose, St. Jerome, and St. Augustine. The final of the four was Gregory I, also known as Gregory the Great. Now, the great is a title that's been applied to only a few rulers over the millennia because so few are truly well great alexander the great catherine the great bruce the great yes i know springsteen's not technically there yet but give it time it's not a title that the catholic church officially awards but through the combination of popular acclamation and the judgment of history four of the 266 popes have also been granted that honorific Pope Leo I, Pope Nicholas I, Pope John Paul II, and Pope Gregory I, the saint that we'll be looking at today. Gregory was born in 540 in Rome, 110 years after the death of Augustine. By this time, the Western Roman Empire had almost completely collapsed following numerous barbarian invasions, but several of the noble patrician families of Rome Had managed to retain a semblance of order in the city. Gregory was a member of one of these families. His father was a senator and also served as prefect of Rome, a position roughly equivalent to mayor. Gregory received an education proper to his family's status and became an expert in the law. At 30, he was named prefect of Rome, the same position his father had once held. He, like St. Ambrose before him, seemed destined for a long career in civil government, However, as was also the case with Ambrose, his life took a decidedly different turn. When Gregory was in his mid-30s, his father died. In a move that shocked his friends and associates, he resigned his position as prefect, converted his family home into a monastery, and began living as a Benedictine monk. That monastery, the San Gregorio Magno Celio, still stands in Rome to this day. He would have been content to spend the remainder of his life in the monastery, but in the year 579, Pope Pelagius II made Gregory a deacon and appointed him as ambassador to the imperial court in Constantinople. His primary task was to seek the emperor's help protecting Italy from the barbarian Lombards, help the emperor ultimately refused to send. Gregory returned to his monastery in 585, serving as abbot, but his time of quiet prayer and study was to be short-lived. When Pope Pelagius II died in 590, Gregory was elected Pope by acclamation. Just as Ambrose had resisted being made Bishop of Milan, Gregory at first tried to refuse the appointment, even attempting at one point to flee the city of Rome. Ultimately though, he agreed and became the first monk to serve as Pope on September 3, 590. Gregory wrote countless letters during his time as Pope, 800 of which still survive. He wrote several times about his sadness at having to abandon the monastic life, but it was his skill as an administrator that was vital during his time as the Bishop of Rome. Civil authority had almost completely broken down by this point, and Gregory stepped in to fill the void there in addition to his duties as head of the church. As social services had ceased to exist, Gregory ordered his priests and deacons to go into the streets and care for the poor themselves. Any who refused were removed from their positions. He sold church assets to raise money to feed the poor of Rome and other parts of Italy, and used money donated by wealthy parishioners for the same purpose. On a more personal level, he invited 12 of Rome's poor to dine with him at every meal. His care for the poor greatly increased the respect people had for the church, and for centuries afterward, people relied on the church for things the civil government would not or could not provide. For both good and ill, this also increased the power of the papacy in the years to come. Gregory was no mere civil servant in priestly vestments, however. He was also zealously committed to the spread of the gospel. He sent monks to France, Spain, and Africa, and in 596 he sent St. Augustine of Canterbury, not to be confused with St. Augustine of Hippo, and 40 monks to evangelize the Anglo Saxons. Augustine would become the first Archbishop of Canterbury a year later, in 597. Gregory made reforms to the liturgy, many of which remain to this day, including the time during the Mass in which the Our Father is recited. Gregorian chant is named after him, though it's likely he didn't invent it, but was rather a strong supporter of it. Gregory was a skilled preacher and student of the Bible. He wrote a book called On Pastoral Care which described the necessary qualities of the bishop, as well as their most important duties. It was required reading for centuries and is still read by many bishops today. He also wrote the first biography of the life of Saint Benedict, the founder of the order Gregory was a member of and the founder of Western monasticism itself. He's also the first pope to describe himself as, quote, the servant of the servants of God, end quote, a title used by popes ever since. St. Gregory is a bridge between, the two er- between two eras. He's the last of the so-called Latin Fathers and also the first medieval Pope. He died on March 12, 604 and was immediately proclaimed a saint by popular acclamation. He's venerated in the Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Anglican and Lutheran churches and is the patron saint of musicians, singers, students and teachers. Now, if all of what I've said still makes you wonder why Gregory deserves the title of the great, I'll give you one more example. It's one thing for the people he fed and cared for to consider him a great saint, but he has an unexpected admirer as well. The Protestant reformer John Calvin, a man with no love for the papacy or the Catholic Church, wrote in his institutes that Gregory was the last good pope. For Calvin to have written that, St. Gregory had to be very great indeed. That's our episode for today. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you found it both informative and entertaining. If you'd like to help us keep episodes like this coming please consider clicking on the support this podcast link in the show notes. Thanks a lot.